You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Prep Phase podcast brought to you by Predator Gaming. Of course, this is the official, unofficial, official podcast of Rainbow Six Esports that brings together all the regions and more. We're still at home as we're awaiting stage two to begin, but that's the perfect time for us to start talking about said stage two and kind of the fallout of tournaments so far that brings us into it. Um, of course, as always, I'm your host, Milos, and friends of the show, uh, Fresh and Fabian from EU and APAC League are in with today our special guest, Titan. How are you guys all doing? Come on, one by one. Fresh, Fabian, Titan. Give me, how are you doing today? I'm really good. I stayed up till 4 a.m. playing ranked. Um, I can't stop playing Siege at the minute. Like, genuinely, I'm not just like shilling. I can't stop playing Siege to the point that I'm dreaming about normal things taking place as you do in dreams but it's happening on Siege maps, and I'm just living in this alternate universe of just Siege. So what, which me. map? Is there a specific uh, Last night, I was on Theme Park. <laughs> I was just having an argument with my brother in my dream, but it was in... Um, which which room? Can we ask Des for callouts? <laughs> Split. Yeah, no. It was in Armory Throne, and we were just having an argument and throwing stuff at each other. Fabian, are you normal? I mean, in comparison to what I just heard, yeah, I'm very normal. <laughs> I'm a, I'm the most normal person you'll ever meet. Yeah, no, I'm just chilling at home, living life, being close to the sea. That's nice. Nice and relaxing. And Titan, of course, uh, from Team Secret, how are you doing today? How? Are you? Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, no, I'm doing well. Uh, long days, long hours, obviously getting ready for UL. And uh, sadly, also stayed up until 4 a.m. because Jack couldn't let me leave. But uh, yeah, I'm not all <laughs> Is he holding you hostage? Please blink Very twice so. directly into the camera if you need help. Thank you. Okay, there we go. It's it's clear and set in stone. So thank you very much, Titan, for joining us. Fresh and Fabian today. We'll all be talking about some different topics as always. Four segments, though, really depends on every single episode as we try different things in each one. That's the whole kind of spice of life uh, going through it. First up, as always, is esports news. What's been happening in our beloved Rainbow Six esports over the past couple of weeks since the major? Last time we had a chat, you know, we brought on OXG members, got Laxing and Fox that we talked about things and their performance. And today we want to kind of prepare ourselves for stage two by examining the different regions and what they have gone through. Uh, and since we have Titan, it's a perfect moment for us to talk about those regions, especially one that he's very familiar with more than others, because from what Jack's told me, you will nonstop watch every single region, Titan. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I try to watch as much as possible where, where I can. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Uh, so let's go through things one by one. First of all, EU, uh, considered by many the weakest region currently in Rainbow Six. Would, would you agree with that, Fabian? I don't know if they're the weakest. I think APAC is still the, hovering around the same spot, but I think we're far behind both NA and Latam at the moment, and I think we have an, an overall issue with the entire league. Well, not the league so much, but maybe the teams. 
Would, would you echo that too, Fresh, or how does it go on your side? Uh, I'm maybe not as bitter as Fabian is about it, to be honest. Um, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of teams that are in a kind of have been in a crisis point over the past six months and are still trying to find a way out of it. Who? Um, Give me names. Who? Oh, no, 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 no. I think there's a few bright sparks for you. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think G2 long term will be a good challenger for you, probably BDS, as we always say. Um, but the rest of the teams, it looks, I can't really put my finger on it, but they're not improving at the rate that NA and Latam have been. Speaking of that, Titan, what are what are your takes? Uh, is Team Secret going number one this stage? Oh Godness, no. I, I mean, let, let's be let's be let's be real here. You know, we've got two new players in. We're obviously a team that's just come out of ninth place. I had to fill in for majority of the stage. You were um, good. How did you play so well, actually? Uh, let's, no, let's let's not come go, on. Let's not go come down that on. route. Worst rate. Yeah, good. I was going to say. Yeah, I can hold F. That's about it. Worst rated player ever in the history of two. Best punter in a U. Um. No, I think Fabian has a good point, though, to be fair, with the fact that EU in general is definitely, like, fallen off considerably compared to sort of the other two regions in NA and LATAM. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think a lot of that probably has to do with the infrastructure behind it, as well as just the general environment in terms of, like, the continent and how teams operate, how they want to practice and how they want to behave themselves and conduct themselves from the very top all the way to the bottom level down at tier three, tier four. There is a huge disparity in terms of, you know, teams professionalism and teams sort of work ethic and determination of what their focus is from, as I say, yeah, from the top all the way to the bottom. And then therefore that obviously drips in and feeds into how the teams perform and then their overall effects both domestically and internationally. And you saw it. I mean, Heroic, who is absolutely, you know, wiping the floor with the majority of Europe, struggled considerably at the major. Admittedly, mm -hmm. it is their first land for a lot of those guys, and they haven't been in an environment anywhere near like that, and it, you're going to have the shakes. But at the same time, when you look at teams like BDS, for example, you know, stalwarts they get and struggling still, and then also teams like G2 as well, a team that should be, you know, right at the very top, should be competing, should be punching way above where they are right now, but the reality is they're not. And it's is it because of the players? Not really. They're all individually some of the best players in the game, some of the best players in their region. So what is it? Is it the team itself? Probably not. Therefore, you have to look at the bigger picture. And I think that's where the problem comes for a lot of European teams. Mm. That's that's the focus now. I want to turn on towards it and really see because... Um, you know, Fresh and Fabian, they were part, a big part of European Siege in terms of competition. You know, Fresh, you were analyst in the past. Uh, Fabian, you were also, you know, big, big shot player. I don't know. Somebody's told me that that was the case. Uh, so you guys know the environment and how it was uh, for professional players and teams to set it, from setting up practice, etc., all the way from the, from the olden days to nowadays. So I kind of first want to look at how things were in the day and then compare to what titan was just mentioning which is kind of that environment that europe has gotten to now so fresh fabian how was it back in your days when you know walk me through a day of how you're setting up practices how things would go how is the environment overall in there it's not just about one day though that's that's where i think people see it's not about what they do on a day-to-day basis i still think the teams do mostly the same stuff but it's more about the discipline and the decisions that they're making within those teams. Like, I see so much lack of discipline and basic misunderstanding of team play. Like, when I look at EU players, they're all very talented. They're all more talented than I ever was individually. But when it comes to team play and how to set up a group decision or how to play as a team, 
most of them have no idea what the hell they're doing. It looks so messy. And it, it's just like... I think that EU have gone into a time where we we value individual talents above what a team can do. And you can have five players that are maybe not as much talented when you come to the shooting department, but if they play as a group, they can trick those five players that are really talented individually. And sure, the individual guys, they will hit the nasty shots. But I think long term, the team that has strategies and play together, sure, the teams in EU have strategies now too, but it's just not the same. Um. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll talk about transfers, uh, I guess, later on. Um, but you know, in terms of that kind of transfer decision, it definitely, especially recently with some of the transfers, it has been about individual talent or maybe potential, because there's mm-hmm. obviously been a, a lot of young players picked up by teams. These eighteen-year-old kind of fraggers, even you know, the established ones that have been in kind of see to a couple of a couple of stages now, you know, Mowgli and Benja, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I guess the one distinction that I hear consistently from teams, because obviously you speak to teams quite a bit, um, between kind of when that, that period when EU was kind of on top or, you know, the kind of top stage for EU, is mm-hmm. there were so many more teams available to practice um, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what happened, what has happened with the kind of tier three grassroots system, but there, there are far less teams available for teams to practice, um, which means teams are practicing less. And I know it's something that other regions have spoken about a lot as well. It's not just an EU problem, but at the minute, I know there's a lot of teams that are finding getting quality practices in very hard because obviously the EU teams at the minute, the EUL teams, unless they've got a game that play day eight, play day nine, they won't be practicing each other until their game in the league is finished. Mm-hmm. And then, Challenger League is once a year, so there's no kind of Challenger League teams to practice right now. Tier 3 is kind of intermittent um, with when it kind of starts in the national program. So there's a lot of teams that are getting far less practice than they used to be able to get and therefore not able to implement, you know, as much as, as Fabian says, like team play, that type of stuff that we're saying might not necessarily be worked on or prioritised. It's also a kind of availability issue that teams have got as well, is that they've got far less time to practice that as well. Is this the reality of it for you, Titan? I mean, sometimes, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say it's always the like quantity of teams, but it's definitely the quality and the calibre of the teams that we can mm. play. I think back in the day, a few years ago at least, you could always sort of guarantee yourself a decent sort of quality scrim against a team that was generally there to practice, to look to get better, and there was a clear focus and sort of effort that they put forward to actually developing themselves, making themselves better during that you know three-hour period, four-hour period, whatever it be. But nowadays, you get it, and... I mean, you'll scrim a tier two team, maybe tier three team, you know, and the reality is a lot of those will come in and one day they'll be fine. You know, you can clearly see they're working on something. The next day, the, you can scrim them back about two weeks later and that same team will t- change their approach entirely. And it's more so a case of wanting to win the ego battle. And it's, huh. you know, it, maybe it sounds rude and a little bit harsh coming from a tier one perspective, but you know, settle down a little bit. You're here to practice. You're here to learn. You should treat that tr- sort of scrim and that practice time with respect. And you owe that to the tier one team as the tier one team owes that tier three team respect. And I think a lot of the issues has come to the fact that maybe in the past, but both sides didn't respect each other. There's definitely a clash now, especially when you face a tier three team, for example. And for them, it's all about just wanting to take that ego challenge, wanting to win that scoreline by a crazy amount. But it doesn't matter. And if it ruins practice, in a sense, ruins in quotation marks, obviously, teams would rather and prefer do that than it is a case of trying to work on their own game, work on sort of consistency, working on building on the team play that Fabian says, um, working on trying to actually build their sort of, you know, structure their organization, their discipline. That goes entirely because... 
all that matters is that green box goes win. You know, you hit the first seven kind of in the sense in practice. And that's all that matters to a lot of these teams. And fundamentally, if that's how teams are going to approach practice, if that's how you're going to approach your training time, that the only thing that matters to you is just, you know, winning in practice, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter if you're building consistency, doesn't matter if you're actually doing things that will apply to approach and, you know, in a more sort of systematic and methodical approach, no stuff that who cares? All, all I care about is just being able to get my ones or twos. And if that means that I'm doing that for three hours, my team, therefore, as a result, is playing 4v5, 5v4 within 20 seconds of every single round. And therefore, you don't really get a sort of true sense. And then on game day, the biggest thing here on game day, you're not taking that same approach into your official games. And instead, you're sitting cowering in a corner till one minute left in the round or 30 seconds left in the round. Where's, how do you build consistency? How do you see where you're genuinely fundamentally going wrong in practice? And you can see it as well. The amount of teams in North America, LATAM, for example, that can mm-hmm. win a 5v5 execute, a 4v4 execute, or know how to play as a team late round and how they can communicate and talk to one another, and you compare that now to Europe, shambolic. We are absolutely disgraceful at it. Every European team at the major, if you look at it, when those late round situations came to it, they could not hold their own against these international teams. And why? Simply because in practice, the teams themselves, as well as especially the other teams that they're facing, in the lower tiers don't treat the practice with respect, thus you don't get it. And without it, how do you improve? Why? Where does, does that attitude from lower tier teams, and we don't want to put like all the blames on everybody here. This is just teams that really come in and have this sort of attitude, but the pool at some point has to be limited. Like, why do you think that attitude has become the way that it is? And... It, where do you think it comes from? It, it it sounds a bit odd when you talk about it this it's, way. I think it could be a multitude of factors. I say I think it could be a built over period of time in terms of respect from maybe tier three teams, tier two teams, not thing like tier one teams would go into practice and respect them. It could come down to what Fabian said as well about where individuals go into practice and if they're just going in there to show off and you know just kind of like play their guns feel in a sense against these tier three teams rather than working on practice that will obviously infuriate people and over time that sort of you know that's a grudge that gets held more so than anything and plus on top of that i think also you get sort of former players potentially in tier three teams Mm. that maybe have you know were in tier one once hold a grudge as well they want to just sort of prove a point in practice and then even for that it's players that maybe in tier three that haven't had a tier one chance yet had a trial failed want to go again want to try and prove a point and it's like well very good very excellent I'm glad you want to prove a point that you are good enough and you are better but same time what's the point of practice what is the point of training it's to improve yourself you should train hard to then fight easy at the end of the day and the reality is if you're just going to train to sort of take the mick really then you're never going to get better you're never going to become more consistent you're never going to see any real growth or development as a team or as an individual really which i think is also another issue you see with a lot of these players which is why you don't see EUL teams really picking up players two, three, four years down the line in tier three, tier two. You see them picking up 18-year-olds straight away and just dragging them into tier one and dropping them mm-hmm. there and hoping they work a bit better. I mean, Keenan, for example, was, I think, one of the few players that's been around, was down in sort of like, you know, the lower leagues for a few years before mm-hmm. he got picked up. He had tier one trials. I know Fabian, he trialed with your team back in the day with Vitality. Um, and you can see that. Like for Keenan, for example, he obviously took a little bit of time, but he flourished in the end. He's now one of the better players here in Europe. But same time you don't see many of them because the fact is both teams and individuals cannot progress they cannot grow they cannot develop in the environment that we currently provide within europe then what about the environment where you bring in saves and savage as team secret because saves obviously incredibly well known probably the most well-known polish player that has ever competed in rainbow six i I think it's very difficult to argue otherwise but why saves and why savage then 
Uh, I think I made a tweet, something along the lines of experience and talent. And the reality mm -hmm. is it is, it's experience and talent. Savage is probably one of the best, you know, hot properties as an 18-year-old right now in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, he, <laughs> very young, fearless. Where did you find him? But, I mean, Savage is somebody I think that's always been on people's lips since he was like a teenager, alongside the likes yeah. of Spoit, Benger, Cunt, things like that. And also at the same time for him, it was a case of, I, I always like watched obviously the lower leagues. Um, I'm an avid supporter of like the uni system here in the United Kingdom. So... But then when your team made Yukin 2, I was able to watch Savage play for 10 star and I was able to see him in that and Yukin 2. I was able to see him, I think, did he play Rumble? He might have done. Yes. Um, I think he did. I'm not sure. He might have been 17 at the time. Uh, maybe. I can't remember. remember. Yeah. But so watching him there, you could see he had the talent and then MPL the season, especially, it was kind of like, you know, his real shot at some, not necessarily the, the absolute big boys in the league, but, you know, he could face against the old few tier one teams. You could see how he would do against it. You know, teams of what he should be competing against his caliber. And I mean, he was, you know, head and shoulders above pretty much everybody else in the league. And there was like five, six players up there. Um, oh, he's obviously got that experience. He's got that sort of, you know, natural talent as an 18 year old that he has. And so we want to look to shape that and reform that into something that will work for us and, you know, help him sort of smooth out the edges, teach him a bit more of like what Fabian said, like the fundamentals, basically, and just get him to be elevated as a player. And then Saves also helps with that in, you know, every single aspect. Saves has plenty of fundamentals, very experienced player, very wise player, has lots of ideas to provide as well. And just he's also, I think, the big thing that a lot of people kind of forget about saves and maybe didn't spot or notice really is how consistent he has been at Tier 1 when he performs and when he plays. He's been one of the most consistent performers since he came to Tier 1 to his last stage. It's not absolutely life games. You know, it's not sort of the 1.3, 1.4 ratings that you see from Shaiko and Mowgli. But at the same time, it's not the Titan sort of performances of an 0.5 rating. So he's somewhere, you know, he's like a 1.1, 1.1 rating. Pretty good. Exactly. It's good. You always know And it's consistently, you know, you always get that good performance. Which is something you need, as I think, at least from our perspective, as a sort of ninth play team. You want someone that can always compete with the tier one players, put in a shift, put in the performance. And every week you have that sort of benchmark, that baseline that you know will always be there for your team. Mm -hmm. And then it's on sort of, you know, the younger players, the fraggers, the star players to then be able to pop off here and there, knowing that your back line is always going to be, so, you know, solid. You're always going to have that stability for you. And it's just, just shoot, just get your guns going forward and you'll win. Do you agree with or that shoot. assessment, Fabian? You know, having Savage and saves now on Team Secret, do you think that'll be a big help for him? I won't comment on individual players. I don't think that that's my place. Um, for me, it uh, doesn't make sense for me to sit there and say that this player is going to make wonders and this one isn't. Uh, yeah, I, that's not the way that I look at the game. I don't look at the individuals. I look at the team as a whole. Um, if they have a more complete team as a whole, I think so. But uh, if the individuals are going to be the ones to like, I'm not looking at them being like, oh, this guy is better than this guy and this guy is better than that guy. Because then it goes back into the individual part. I have no idea how either one of these two players functions in a team. Okay, I, well, we're I, I, we're I, gonna we're gonna wait to see how they were gonna be in stage two. Same and then... guess on the desk. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First game, it goes terribly. Yeah, so yeah. 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 I mean, I'm gonna rip into it. If, if, yeah. they, like, if they play like team, if you have team play like shit, I will rip into it because then it then it shows to me that even if you guys put down the work with the hours it didn't make a difference. Yeah. And then you have picked the wrong players. And that's going to be more based on the end of the stage. If you guys are playing just as poorly as you did before, because you guys didn't play a team game, you guys played an individual-based game where individual performance carried you through the victories that you got. If that is the same case after this stage, 
then you pick the wrong players. And I don't care which player it is, it is that is wrong. It could be the two new players. It could be two of the old players. It could be all five players that aren't good enough. Mm -hmm. But I won't see that from the inside because I'm not part of the inside. And we can sit here and me and Jack can sit on the desk and pretend that we know everything that's going on. We have no idea well, we about ninety. We have no idea about ninety percent of the players how they work. The only players that we work know about how they work are the players that we play with ourselves. Yeah, all the information we get from teams when we speak to them, I guess, and even that is kind of yeah. limited and it's biased. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the the one thing I will say, if you want to mm -hmm. comment on an individual player, uh, Milos, is yeah. I was, I guess, maybe unfortunate or fortunate enough to scrim against Savage um, when okay. I was... Uh, Titan was actually in the scrim, I think. Um, How long ago and, was that? Uh, uh, this would have been six months ago. Okay. And uh, we were warming up 10 star for one of their games. And I remember Demo putting a, a type in chat, Savage, you are next up. You're going to win an Invitational. Like the, when, when, <laughs> when Demo says it, okay. Demo well, has well, no idea. So. I'm, I'm not going to say how he functions in a team, because like Fabian said, we've got no idea. Um, mm -hmm. But what I will say is the raw talent he's got, he won't be known by a lot of the people that view EU well, I don't think. The, the kind of general viewers, you know, maybe even some of the casters, but the teams were all aware of him. The teams all know him. And Secret, I think, in a way, have done very well to actually get him. Um, no disrespect to him, with, you know, with the position of where Secret are at. To pick up, like you say, he's probably the next coveted person. You know, you talk about Benja, Spike, Mowgli, etc. Mm -hmm. Savage was probably next up in that list. Um, and I think that if he is slotted into a system that, that works well for him, he really could have a good stage. Well, Spoit to Rogue is obviously the next transfer. I think that's definitely the biggest transfer that people are looking at. Uh, we got to see a bit of him at Gimmicks Without Borders, performed really well. But then again, Rogue's issues are more on a teamwork basis, which is something that harks back to what Fabian was saying. It's not just about the individual. It's about how the team plays fully. But But let's look at it from just an entertainment point of view, okay? Entertainment point of view, Spoit entering a U League, this is like Bolo entering NAL. This is huge when it comes to your average player that looks up to these incredibly talented players, sees how they are, and now they're in pro play. They're going to turn around and watch that league and see how they perform in there. From a purely like, how does this look like to the average viewer? This is really good. Uh, it, it brings so much more interest now to an already incredibly interesting league. I don't know who Spoit is. I only know of Spunk. Spunk. <laughs> yeah, it was his alternate uh, personality that was playing in GWB. That's exactly why. Uh, but, you know, he he didn't only play well on LMG Finca, okay? He played well in everything that he was put on. I think from an entertainment point of view, it's great. Like, he is by far and away the biggest. I'm just looking at the EU or the t Twitch streamers for Siege. Mm -hmm. um, he's in the top five of individuals, you know, take away the Rainbow Six good. stream and everything. He's in the top five streamers of this game. He's the biggest streamer in Europe, maybe, uh, well, Pengu's not in Europe anymore. Um, so, like, to have him in the league brings more eyes to the leagues, brings more eyes to the teams, um, which is probably a key part of the reason why a lot of teams, because, you know, let's be fair, a lot of teams were interested in picking him up as a player. Um, and that's probably a big part of the reason, because he was... Well, he, he is unproven in the kind of comp arena. So I, I can see why people keep referencing it to the similar, in a similar vein to how Bolo was, because he was very similar. Turned 18, picked up straight into a team. Um, so I think from an entertainment point of view, it will be good. We know he's absolutely cracked. We've seen him be absolutely cracked all over his streams in ranked. And also we did see it in, you know, recently in the tournament as well. 
Um, the, there's a few reservations. I think a lot of people have a few reservations about the team that is in and how that's going to function. But I think from a, as you say, from a, poor, a purely entertainment standpoint, it's only a good thing having him in the league. I mean, the player he replaced kind of makes sense, right? Rips had a really rough stage overall, but now it comes back to the role and the the five players that I like that I spoke about with Secret. I question how they're going to play as a team yeah. because I don't see that they have any either soft support or any hard support. And sure, Leon is going to move over to support role, and I, I think it's Deepak going to go take the soft support. But you're pulling players that have never played support in their lives into the support roles. You've had five players in a team now that have always had themselves being the priority. I don't know if that's going to work. I think that maybe long-term it might, but I mean, I'll be honest, even if you take a break, you should be beating tier three teams. I don't really care. You have a new player, you have four players that still understand the basics of the ideas of what your team wants to play. You taking a week off, that's not an excuse or two weeks off to lose to against tier three teams. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't accept that. Um, I think it'll be, sorry Fabian, I think it'll be very stylistically where they'll have success or not. The one thing that they really struggled against the tier three teams was the teams that just sat and repel, that just essentially didn't do anything um, because they essentially wrote, as you say, they're a team that wants to take gunfights, right? Mm -hmm. And if they're not offered like a free gunfight, a free 1v1, and it's a team just kind of systematically taking ground, not really doing too much, they tend to just swing in and, uh, and force gunfights and then lose them. Um, and I think, as you say, like you said, there's not, doesn't seem to be a natural support player or a natural leader in there as such. Um, it, it feels kind of manufactured. I think that's where I have the concerns about Rogue. I think they didn't. Um, I think Rogue definitely seen some success, to be honest, with a big couple of support. Obviously, an individual, very talented, did very well in GWB. Uh, again, I'll sort of preface that and like, add the asterisk of it was against tier three teams. Just to note that one. Okay. Um, it's also not EUL. That's another sort of kettle of fish that somebody has to get over in terms of conquering that those nerves. I think Fabian has a very good point, though, in terms of like the structure and the balance of the team is very odd, and it's a little bit sort of different to necessarily what you'd look at. It doesn't seem to flow so naturally. You can't really pinpoint people into positions, and I think you could see some inconsistencies. I think Jack said it uh, during the major a little bit about sort of teams have that more structure and sort of more consistency about them and sort of more traditional side of things. They normally see the success over the long term compared to those who are maybe more frank heavy, more sort of, you know, orientating towards just taking those gunfights. They have shorter term success. And maybe in a best of one system, it'll work because you've got five players there who all individually could pop off. And, you know, you only need one guy to maybe drop your 16 kills, as we saw last season with Keenan. And boom, there you go. You just suddenly, you know, manufacture a three point win out of nowhere. Um, that, that's, you know, I guess one of the downsides of a best of one system, really. But, you know, it could benefit Rogue. But at the same time, you might also see some you know, consistency issues in terms of whereby they couldn't beat Wild, for example, mm -hmm. in GWB. And yep. to be honest, they did take a map off them and there were some close rounds and close maps, but it sounds rough and it sounds harsh to say, but they were comprehensively beaten. Maybe they were holding some stuff back. Maybe. I know. No, you don't but, hold stuff back in a tier tournament. With that. Well, that's what I'm going to say. $2 million uh, yeah, tournament. That's the thing. I don't think they did. When, yeah, when yeah, you I'm get saying. the shot at a $2 million tournament to qualify yeah, to yeah, the number one. It, it's, it's worrying. It's slightly concerning when you look at it in sort of the bigger picture. Um, mm -hmm. it's, you see wild for example which is a team obviously in tier three that maybe a lot of people you know view this maybe at tier one level don't know about them too well but they're a team with a decent amount of balance you know they've got their good support players and people like bz clear sort of leader of the team you've got you know the extra one players as well and they're experiencing corey and aces and you've got two really good sort of talented individuals and very you know a younger 
kind of young mm -hmm. up and comer in Jay, um, along with Gisela. And you know, that, that team has a balance, as Fabian says, you have to have that balance and then also have that team play. And I think overall, Wild, their friends, they went in with a sort of a carefree attitude, obviously wanting to make, you know, the, the land for $2 million. Who wouldn't? But same time, kind of realizing that this is their experience a little bit to show off, see what they could do really against the tier one teams, you know, against the big boys on the big stage. And again, it, it shows if you have team play, if you have the basic fundamentals in place, and if you do have the right sort of system and structure there, you can see success. And they so did. who's on top in, in your mind? If you were to rate teams right now, in EU League, how would it be? Oof. Who would be top four? That's top really the most important um, part. Can I go first? Go ahead, wow. Jeff. Uh, my top four would be currently... In, in that order? In the oh, order as you're... In the order. No, no, you don't have to. You um, can just say top four. Just G2. Okay. BDS. Um, this is where it gets a bit tricky and a bit ropey. Um, I think... Um, outsiders will make progress i think they made some good pickups for stage one didn't mm -hmm. quite get there i think outsiders will make good progress um and uh, i don't know i don't know who my fourth team is heroic heroic probably um i i think they were very hurt by the way the major went um and for me i worry not a worry about them i think they'll be okay but mm -hmm. I wonder if stage two will be a bit of a slump on the back of that, of feeling sorry for themselves. I think their reaction from the major will determine that. Um, but yeah, I think on the balance, it would be heroic. Fabian? I, I'm going to agree with Jack on G2. I'm expecting them to improve. And if they don't, then uh, they're, they're a team that I see as a failure. Um, but I'm going to put G2 as number one. BDS is number two. Uh, I think M and M are going to take the step up. Uh, they showed in the end of the last stage that they played really, really good Siege. And I think that mentally they just needed to get past that hurdle i think eminem will end up on, on third place um mm. i i think it's between wolves and uh, and uh, outsiders for the the place after that i think rogue are gonna have a struggle i just don't think that they have the team structure that's necessary i, I don't see a clear leader in either personality or in in terms of uh, the person who will teach the the play so for example i don't see the person who will teach sport the basics i don't see that that guy might be Leon, but I, I don't know if he has the personality for it. Um, other than that, I know Crin and Counter because I play with them. They don't talk a lot. They're not the mm -hmm. guys that will make decisions in terms of communication and then make a play. They'll just make the play. The mm -hmm. uh, pack I don't know how much he will do in that part. Um, I look at him more as a flex player, and now they're putting him into a support role, which means that a flex player is the one who coordinates a lot more with the front group. Now they put him on a support role, so they take away his ability to communicate, to put someone who communicates less on said role. I see lots of issues. I think they're going to fall down. They... And then, uh, I'll so... be honest, I see Navi, Secret, and Pones as the bottom three teams again. Yeah, yeah Jack, I, I see you're itching Sorry, to add I, to it. I, Go I ahead. Because Rogue, they could well have a honeymoon phase. You know, that's a lot of individually sure. talented players. If they get themselves on good match, you know, Chalets, the Borders... Euroregans, for example, where they can just, you know, all go through the motions, that type of stuff. They could well have a honeymoon phase, and we could be sat here 100%. in three months' time saying, wow, Real got top four, they're going to the major. I think my worry for them is more long term consistency, and I wonder mm -hmm. if it is part of more of a master plan of, you know, bring somebody else in stage three, starting to look towards next year. Titan? Um, but, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, we're, we, we got more regions to go through, by the way. So uh, here's uh, our go last quick, look then. on Europe. 
Yeah, I won't give you exact. I'll just say like top four, but not in order. Yeah, yeah. Probably G two, BDS, Heroic, three of them. Uh, then I'd I have to say Secret. Obviously, it's fourth. Otherwise, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not being a coach problem. Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is why you guys picked up the players you did delusional all through. No, <laughs> there you go, Fabian. You were spending way too much time in the UK. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, I've, I've become a crazy person too. <laughs> Gotta cut back on it. But that's uh, that's Europe. We we move through uh, the rest of our regions, and I think it makes sense for us to go on to APAC and what's been going on there because uh, Korea, especially, has had major changes. But before we dive into that, we also just had you know Japan League final, basically. Uh, big game, big stage, audience, the whole shebang, and a massive trophy. Uh, that you know, Japan's looking really good. When are we moving to Japan to cover Japan League? I is the I'm, question. I mean, ask Fnatic about moving to Japan and then uh, probably get an answer. I, I just asked Mag <laughs> at this point and just, to just swim, swim, my dude. Just that you, you'll get there faster at this point. I just hope we never have to go there. Well, in terms of land, Why? I want to go there, but I don't want to fucking What is go that? There. No, uh, you know what? I don't want to go to Japan. You're the one that was talking about, oh my God, the Japanese fans are so amazing. Yeah, they, are. To to they are literally the best scene when it comes true. to all that stuff. But 100%. do I want to live there? No, no, no. No, no. I'll stay here. I'll stay I love here. The it's got to be better than Paris. He wants to be in his little village. <laughs> Everything is better than Paris. Production <laughs> Remember, the, the production team is French, so... Yeah, but... Jack's that doesn't matter. Paris is still shit. It's like <laughs> European stinky. siege. Stinky. Stinky. Nah, it's stinky. not stinky. No, you can, say, you can say words here. Like, we're not bound by the rules of the broadcast, which, let's be honest, you have broken many, many, many times. I so. have never done anything wrong. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> Titan, I know you watch all the regions. What do you think about Japan right now? Uh, I mean, I'm actually quite surprised with some of the teams that aren't obviously in, like, actual, you know, the top leagues and then sort of APAC and, uh, you know, the APAC North Leagues. But I mean, you saw some couple teams, I think it's, like, what they called um, Reject, who recently made it. They didn't mm-hmm. have too bad of a showing. I think also you had, like, mm-hmm. uh, another team, Crest Gaming. I think yeah. they're one of, like, the Tier 2, Tier 3 teams also in APAC as well. Yeah. And then to see a team like Scars, who obviously, you know, aren't up there, but I guess they're... I suppose they're actually going to be one of the more successful teams coming up over next year. Potentially, you know, see them next year in APAC North. Uh, to beat a team like CAG, obviously, is... Are you surprised that CAG threw yet another game? Oh, that's a harsh way of putting it. Um, yeah, uh, with CAG. Uh, I think it's not that I'm surprised or, you know, not surprised, sorry, but I think it's more so a case of, obviously, the inconsistencies with their play style do lead to rounds like that and sorts of things like that where they can be close, they can look like they're all in control and then suddenly... Bam, suck your fingers, it's all gone for you. And Scars, I mean, they had some inconsistencies themselves, but obviously, I guess, you know, pound for pound, they also hit their shots better on the day. Uh, I think the biggest shock was obviously the uh, massive investment from PSG Esports. I think really yes. that, that really comes out of nowhere. And we, we kind of know that PSG, it, it's the same in Dota as it is here in Siege, like investment in. Asian countries, Asian esports to kind of stay away. Like, okay, PSG, if if you're in Europe, you know who PSG are. Like Paris Saint-Germain, even if you don't know anything about sports, you know that this is a massive team in in sports in Europe. And they are pretty big. And for example, FIFA, etc. in the EU. But when it comes to other games, it seems like they've definitely chosen to invest heavily in the Asian market, be it, you know, in China, Korea, or Japan. 
I mean, they're total two team. For example, I mean, one. I think. I think they won the uh, recent TI. One of the best. One of the best teams in Dota currently. So I'm not surprised at all. So uh, aside from that, um, there's been some changes also within Korean teams. Um, uh, some had us in our own kind of WhatsApp group chat uh, in EUL and APAC talent asking the question like, why? Uh, so uh, I kind of would like to go through that for a bit because, you know, Damwon been saved from those changes, but, you know, this change on Talon. Uh, Sandbox as well. We had Good Boy coming in, Arukaze as well. Uh, what's been going on through there? Because T1 is no longer T1 as we also knew them too. There's been a lot of change. Yes. <laughs> I'm just yes. looking at the little document that we've been sent. Uh, I didn't quite realize the extent of it, but yeah. And I mean, there was always going to be that kind of backlash, right? After none of the teams made it anywhere close to get into the major. Mm-hmm. Um, when Korea had kind of had its period of dominance, particularly with Damwon Kier, obviously, um, in kind of the APAC North region and then going to these international events. So I'm not surprised to see it. Some of the changes, uh, and again, it, it, I suppose it's what Fagan said, it's, it's hard to talk about individual players, but it's kind of, I don't know. Talons are kind of the biggest questions for me because these players, especially from my point of view, uh, are unknown. And I thought Talon had made really good progress for APAC North Stage 1. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be about how that... If they can't continue progressing, then sure. You know, the, the proof will be in the results. But some of them are quite unknown. It, for me, it's kind of a knee-jerk reaction, I think, for especially for APEC North that I've been following and actually been studying quite a lot. Like, to me, it doesn't make sense. I'll be honest with you guys. I do not think that the teams we got from APAC for the Major were the best teams in the APAC region. I agree. I think we were missing the three best teams from that region completely at the event. Yeah. So to see two of them making roster changes, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because they felt that they had lost because of one player and they were like feeling resent towards them. But if they looked through their own season and they had looked through their own gameplay, the changes doesn't make sense no matter who you pick up because they played phenomenal siege in comparison to their opponents uh and then they still change players mm-hmm. i have big question marks that cag made it i i love watching cag play really they were not the best team to go yeah <laughs> I I, they're exciting i love watching anything play just because of the individual <laughs> yeah, performance so but i don't think that they're a good team i genuinely believe that they're really bad yeah in terms of teamwork still they made it through and then we have they were like the, the team that actually were playing really well in the playoffs, but the three other ones that we had from Apex North, they just didn't show up. Any changes here to me are odd. Odd, the, that's the word I'll use. I guess it's the sandbox changes that, that are most questionable, and it's yeah. more role changes. Obviously, they brought in Arakazi. We saw how good Arakazi was on T1. Great player. But then you look at all these players, and it's kind of like, I hate to say it for Sandbox, but they're going to be this team that will run through APAC North because of the individual talent, because you can domestically run through APAC North. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've got a great team of individuals. So I think we will see them uh, probably every major, maybe SI, but they don't strike me as a team that have that team play that will even come close to getting out of any of the groups at the majors or SI. I'd be happy to be proven wrong, but I feel like they're just going to be happy to sit in this middle ground of being the top domestically, being the bottom internationally. Um, and that's what that kind of roster change strikes me of. Now, unfortunately for the T1 squad, now known as XT1, 
uh, up until there will be any changes with that. Uh, we're kind of, you know, uh, left hanging dry to verify things and, you know, as they go. There are there are some how I say things going through the airwaves and how changes could be for the squad in APAC North. So I really hope for them that they can find the right people for the team, huh? I mean they've lost probably their best player. Yes. Um, in Arakazi. And then eleven has been quiet for two or three stages now after popping off when he did last year. Um so I think I think that's a roster that they used to have this thing of they were very fun to watch and they they were a banana skin for teams. I don't even know if they're going to have that anymore. So I I think that's one of the teams that I do significantly worry about. How does APAC North look like then? Titan, uh, any any you know predictions on how the top four will be? I mean, I think Jack has a good point about the Sandbox team potentially just looking more so right now at like domestic sort of success rather than, or like regional success, I should say, rather than necessarily international success with the pickups. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I, I agree also, I echo the point of a lot of knee-jerk reactions in terms of changes, in terms of people being removed from teams, because I think also the way that the playoff system obviously was handled with APAC doesn't necessarily always provide the best environment for potentially having the best teams turning up. Fair. Uh, just playing on 100 ping is not always you know, the greatest idea in the world. Um, and that will have an effect as much as people might say like it doesn't. So... Uh, I think you'll probably see some of the sort of you know the usual names at the top still, so Damon and Sandbox, and then you'll kind of just see maybe like again like Talon might still be up there around there. Cag might just make it just purely based off again individual talent, individual skill. Uh, um, I don't. One name I want to say that will improve is Fnatic, but realistically, looking at them last stage, looking at their pickups this stage, I mean, where where do they go for, to go upwards yeah. and for an org of their size and their magnitude? It's a little. Are there magnitude? Okay, I see what you're doing there. Uh, what about APAC South Titan? Because there was a lot of APAC South representation at the major, which unfortunately didn't really go anywhere. So yep. is this going to keep on kind of rocking the boat in APAC South? Um, I don't know. I mean, APAC South, I actually enjoy watching. It's actually one of those reasons I probably actually watch a little bit more than maybe necessarily I should. Is it, is it um, just because Dev Marta is a caster there? I think that explains so, it. <laughs> maybe. Uh, no, I mean, it's it's actually just some of the teams there. There's so many different styles, to be honest, in APAC South. You have the Australian teams who try to play, well, kind of try to, they try to play a very structured sort of system, you know, very kind of like, I guess like NA style is probably the best way to put it, very methodical, very sort of step-by-step, whereas you've got some of the more sort of, you know, uh, like the Taiwanese team in Direwolves, which is just chaos, loose. You've got Edge there who just does whatever he wants, and it's just great to watch realistically. Um, and then you've got other, you know, the big names and things, seems like IG, for example, who went all through all these changes in stage one to make this new, I guess, like mm-hmm. super team kind of mm-hmm. the Apex South and yeah, flop kind of really. Uh, that's the truth of it. Um, and Elevate yeah, couldn't I mean, make it, so we're not going to mention Elevate here. Because no, I'm going to just... leave that one. Yeah. But Chiefs, for example, I mean, they put up a, I don't think they put up a bad showing, to be honest, at the major. I don't think they got a win, if I remember correctly. No, they they no, no, but they, they got they, a couple of close games. Yeah, that's the thing. They did it as well in Sweden, where they get close to beating teams and they get your 7 5 results. You get close, you look, you go, oh, blimey, they might actually get some decent bloody scores. But reality is, they just fall, just fall short of the final hurdle. So I think for them to have made the major, their first mm-hmm. stage with the changes, Along with that as well, still looks competitive internationally. I think you'll see them next stage maybe take that leap up, that step up, maybe compete for the top two spots really, like actually be up there with Direwolves. I don't think anybody's going to go flawless again next stage like Direwolves did, which, you know, applause to them. That was very, very impressive to do so. 
Um, but I think they'll actually probably become maybe the top team in APAC South next season. And Diables could, but they need to add structure into their gameplay because right now they lack it, really. It's just a lot of individual talent. And on to our next region, North America, our sister region here, as of course we're Europe. We want to look at them and see what they're doing. And Fabian, I want to ask you a question. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Blast can now play at Parabellum, and he played GWB. Uh, is this is this now we can look at? Hey, Eska, Penguin, Blast. You know, this is Blast is not in your in UL shows. I don't know the brainlessness of the EU. I guess uh, he he's such a an import. Player. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He should be in Europe. I yeah, don't know. He, he, he I don't know how a French team has not picked him up. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The guy is more talented. He has more talent in his left toe than I have in my entire body. Like it, it's. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it just doesn't make sense. He should be in Europe. Uh, he's a very talented player. And overall, I just think we're seeing a, a league that's... Uh, they've, they've taken steps. They've, they have improved and they've improved and they've improved. And I don't really know what the recipe for their success is. I think that their teams are more well-balanced in terms of setup, in terms of this player mm -hmm. is a support player and this player is an entry fragger. I think mm -hmm. their team is more balanced that way. But is that the case? That in terms of that's the reason for their success? I don't think so. I think that they just... Uh, so so uh, now I'm sorry. I'm gonna go back to Europe a little bit because okay, so I don't, even though we're in NA, no, but okay. okay. But listen here. <laughs> I think European me. teams have yeah. no self responsibility taken whatsoever. They sit there and we talk about tier three teams doing poorly. Yeah, the tier three teams that you might be practicing might be complete ass in terms of their their discipline, their respect. But that doesn't mean that you need to fall to the same level and play the same game. If they throw their game away, yeah, pretend like they're not, and you just keep playing the same game and practice your own war stuff. It, it's not an excuse for Europe to fall as a reading completely and then sit there and blame it on the tier 3 teams. You guys are getting fucking crushed by them. What are you guys trying to pull? Like, are you guys trying to trick people? Just sitting there on your paycheck, getting fucking shit tons of money every month, just so that you can suck? Yeah. They sit there and blame it on others, but... And they, they have had the, the same issues that Europe have now. They've had those for six years, seven years. And they are way ahead of us now. I don't care what your excuse is in Europe. And they was working harder than you. They might go to the Balenciaga store and buy their pair, themselves a nice pair of shoes. But those nice pairs of shoes is apparently making them play better. I don't know. <laughs> They're playing better than Europe. It's a shambles. They earn that paycheck. They're I've earning never that lost paycheck. An yeah, I've never lost an team in my entire career. You also were in a different era, though, Fabian, to European teams now against NA teams in terms of the infrastructure and setup that they have. NA teams all live together. NA teams all yep, in gaming houses together. They do. they do. And that gives you so much more flexibility yep. in terms of no development money. and progress, whereas European teams don't. And you can't argue that fact. No, and that no, fact is so that huge. It's so huge. So you massive. Know, you want to know why this is this why, why this doesn't even make a difference? Because European players don't have the discipline to work hard from home. When you go through strats, I know for a fact people yeah. sit on their phone. When oh, you sit there and have mental meetings, they don't give a crap. They're sitting there playing some single player game. They you're telling me that the NA teams wouldn't have done the that as well. Players, all of it. They might have, probably. But that's the difference, but isn't it? That's is a it, big is factor. It, is it the job of the person who is working with the team to say, oh, yeah, you shouldn't sit on your phone? No, it's a job of the player to be professional oh. enough to fuck off their phone. And I don't care if this is going to sit there and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, they have the infrastructure. Yeah, they do. What are we going to do about it as Europe? And we're doing nothing. The players are not showing that they have the drive, the discipline, or the will to, to give up those things. And that's on Europe, not on NA. Mm -hmm. And we sit there and have so many excuses for ourselves. They they don't have validity. They don't. Players just don't have it. 
and and we end that with a with a clear vamos penta. Uh, just seeing seeing the the logo in the back that really brings have good discipline either. Oh no, we had better than others. And you know what? This is something even more like even you know when you guys were were so young in the day and competing, and so many young players in those days. We're talking like three, four, five years ago. Uh, now you look at a team like Astralis, where in NA this is a team of many young players, players mm. that have never really seen experience like they did at the major. Look at the damage that they have done. In the major, first of all, in NAL on its own, where Jesse mm -hmm. was talking about it by the end of the year, uh, our colleague in NAL, hey, this is uh, this team, look out for them. They show up at the major and they rock everybody's socks off. Yep. That was beautiful, incredibly wonderful team to watch. And the question is now, like, do they do they keep this up? Even Exit had had those flashes. Teams TSM, you know, Space Station, they were not at the major. But maybe they have the time to sit back and kind of learn from the newcomers. It's really weird to look at it this way because it never was this way, was it, Fresh? I hate saying this, but the region that I'm most looking forward to watching in Stage 2 is NAL because where's the free games for teams, right? You know, if you look at, uh, and no disrespect to you, well, but teams definitely target, well, not target games, but they know if they're against the lower tier EUL yeah. teams, they're going to have an easier time. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look down, the, the as you just said, in NAL, Australia's grand final of the major have this kind of explosive playstyle. Oxygen, they keep picking up these young players, improving them, and are a completely solid team. Dark mm -hmm. Zero just won the, you know, very methodical, won the championship, except I've got that Brazilian style with Bodega. And then that's only the top four of stage one. Then you've got SSG, you know, former world champions, always solid team. Parabellum, the best European import they could have picked up. Sonics was so good for so long, had a poor stage. TSM, the world champions. So where's your free game? You know, you may be talking about Beast Coast and Mirage, who, you know, you could call the weaker teams. Maybe you couldn't. I don't know. Which means that league is so competitive, but also it's competitive at such a high level mm -hmm. that it's kind of, it's going to be a really kind of fascinating watch through stage two to see if those teams continue the momentum and the established teams that didn't go to the most recent major, whether they actually make the improvements that they needed as well. Who are your top four Titan in NAL? Um, oxygen. Uh, four. This is this is where it gets bloody hard. Um, yes, it is. <sighs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna go OXG. I'm gonna say Astralis as well because I just think team play wise, at least the way that they work together in their pairs and trios when oh, they're right. around on the map, it's just second to none. Really. Yeah. Um. Then I'm gonna give SSG one of the top four spots. Uh, and then I'm gonna say DZ as well in the top four. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's a tough one because you never know when the Sonics and TSM will just snap yeah. back to you know into into life. Never know. It, it's such it's a tough thing for us as like the talent that usually works, you know, EUL broadcasts to be like, mm. yeah, they're just really really good. I mean, one differentiator that NAL has, um, or the NA teams have is, um, I mean, you know, Titan will know this as well, but like, I do I do a because I'm such a nerd. Um, well, I was going to say something else there. When I do a lot of data for every team, a lot of like macro data about map band preferences um, and what maps teams play, and most of the NA teams, I'd say six, seven of them, play eight out of the nine map. Yeah. yeah. And you compare that to a U where we're on like three or four maps, there's teams that want to ban five, six maps if they can and have a really limited map pool, there's a massive difference. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I guess, that's maybe what got NAL through deep into the tournament at the most recent major is how quickly they brought in the three new maps, but also have 
such a good map pool on all the teams. I, you know, I said it going back to when TSM won the Invitational. They'll win it off the back of such a big, flexible map pool. Um, and yeah, I think NAL is in somehow, and, and they've kind of just crept up on it. You know, we had that Latam dominant period, and NAL has just crept up to become the kind of, I would say, the number one region. And you say that, though, I do not wish to terrorize anybody, but if you thought 2021 was the year of Brazil and LATAM in general, but specifically Brazil, it, it's it's going to get much worse for everybody that is not from the region itself. Because an announcement as of literally yesterday, because we are filming this on the 7th of June, BR6 will be played on LAN for this stage, starting stage two. Now, no audience has been, because this is something that you would see in the replies from the R60 Sports Brazil account, uh, saying, well, no audience yet. This might change in the future, obviously. But right now, the players not only are living together, but they're also doing the same thing that NA is doing, which is now they're going to start playing their games on stage together. That is scary because Brazil specifically is incredibly scary just by them living together. Imagine now every game they're playing is a stage game. It, it's yeah, over, it's man. It's really the same, though, Milos. It's like if you sit on stage and there's no audience, you're just sitting on a different spot and you sat though. But NAL is doing the same thing. It, it, that's not the, it's not the reason that they're playing on stage is why they're better. The reason they're why they're better is because they can keep the discipline up by having people that keep the responsibility within the team actually disciplining the players because they're in the same house. You can't sit on your phone like this when you're going to strats. If the guy is right in front of you, he'll take your phone and toss it in the wall. I would have sure. done that. But that's why they're better, not because they're on stage. It, if they get the crowd, that's when I'm going to say it as an advantage. Until then, it's just playing on a different position. It might actually okay. make players more uncomfortable in terms of just not enjoying the place. Big, yeah, biggest change. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think a small comfort aspect of it as well. It's just the land environment. Just like yeah. actually playing the game on land is a nicer game to play, obviously, than the game yeah. online. So that obviously just makes it a little bit happier for players as well, which always, you know, then when you do go to international events, you're just more used to it. You're more comfortable mm-hmm. with it rather than obviously having to play on, I don't know what Brazilian thing was against each other, but maybe like 30, 40, maybe 50, if they're worst case scenario. And, One you know, is better than 30. Yeah, exactly. In a nutshell. I mean, the game works. 100%. It's cannot. You cannot compare... Even super low ping siege versus a land custom game, it's just for, for, precisely. So, as I say, I, I agree with him. It won't make a massive difference. It won't like see Lassam suddenly just jump to the stars and oh my goodness, where have they gone? Hello, keep up. Can we keep up? No, no, <laughs> it's not going to be that. It's going to be more so a case of just the players feel more comfortable when they do go to lands, especially for you know some of the top teams. I mean, I think Lassam right now in Brazil, especially, has like a nice amount of lands. I think Copper Elite Six is always on land as mm-hmm. well. Um, and you know, so they have the extra chances compared to like maybe other teams, but it does just give that extra comfort. You're just constantly playing in that same environment, it's just like, well, you know, nice, comfortable. Thank you. Another old guard pro, pro player retires from the player position, Julio, now to coaching. Uh, that that came out of nowhere, did it? <laughs> I mean, if you look at their team performance, they... they no, me, Ultimate Mickeys. Let's let's roll back the demo we'll here. The Mickey the team, you know? Le Mickeys, yeah, but as Demo the, says. The demo is a little bit del- delusional. I played <laughs> with him, and... <laughs> oh, 
Enough said. Enough said there, I think. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't <laughs> We played one game of ranked win last night. Yeah. Oh, boy. oh, you won. That was enough, all right? Yeah. It was a one and done, trust me. Yeah. Um, his opinions doesn't matter too much to what I build mine on, but that Julia moves on to a coach. I think when you get older, if you don't have the drive anymore, yeah. it might be that, but it could also be that the other younger players feel like there needs to be a change. Mm-hmm. Um, if the change is correct or not, I don't know the new players that they brought up. Like I don't, I know who they are, but I don't know them. Um, so I couldn't tell you if it's going to be a good change, but uh, it didn't come out of nowhere. They played really poorly. Um, and yeah, when you are in a team like that that's been to the top of the world like they have, well, almost they didn't win like me. Um, you kind of they did, yeah, they did. They won in oh, they did, they did win one, uh, only one, not two. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Ah, uh, sorry, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Back to that, yes. Yeah. How could we forget? When, yeah, when you've exactly. won it, you won, you know, you've won the big one, 21. When you've won the big one. At some point, you're like, you know what? I'm I'm getting too old for this. Not only that, but it's also that the team will put themselves in a different position where they will be like, we need to win all the time. Yeah. And then when they stop doing that and they have that bad of a performance, a change is not maybe what you want, but it's what you're going to make. Yeah. It's more difficult to hold on to that top position and keep winning than it is yeah. to get a win. Although it is incredibly impressive, of course, what NIP have done, mm-hmm. it is still way more difficult to keep winning back to back to back, especially yeah. with how Siege is changing right now. Nobody can hold on to a crown for more than that weekend itself. Once the next stage starts in their own region, they can barely hold on. I mean, look at TSM winning Invitational to where are TSM in NAL? The stage right after a month yeah. after i mean being brutally honest i'm surprised it's taken nip this long to make the changes um i saw them at invitational 2022 where obviously they were disgracefully bad they sucked. Yeah, like considering Absolutely. they were the defending champions it was a horrendous defense of that championship um and it I somehow was worse than g2 yeah Hey, no. we had a sub with two weeks and we uh, won. Uh, uh, and we uh, got playoffs, at least. And we got to playoffs, yeah. I hit a nerve, didn't I? Yes, yeah. you were saying, yeah, Because there's two of us here. <laughs> but what I will say is I, when I saw them kind of moping about the two or three days after they got eliminated. Oh, God. Julio looked done. Like, he, he looked done. And obviously, I don't speak Portuguese. I didn't have a conversation with them. But the body language they were exhibiting as a team was a team that was just done. Yeah. Um, and... You know that had run its course. It got to the point. It got to the pinnacle, and it wasn't going to get there again. And I'm not saying Nip won't get there again. Obviously, they've got some talented players, but Julio's body language in particular. I'm not surprised that this step has been taken. Um, if anything, I'm surprised it's taken. It. You know, he's had another stage. I thought it would have been after invitational. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be just people not being available. Maybe. I can yeah, that, maybe. maybe. Potentially waiting for the right transfers for it. Yeah. So we've, you know, that, that's that's a lot of things in there. There's there's some players that have been around, you know, for ages that have performed really well and had great moments. Julio's one of them. You know, Canadian's one of them. Pengu, Fabian. You talk way back in the day before retirement. Zig, Mav, also in that same way. These all these names and Nesk somehow is the one that actually, if if you want to mention kind of this this old guard, Nesk is the one that still since day one to now still performs really well. And Team Liquid looked really good. You know, there's they're still a very good team despite the fact that they couldn't go so deep into the yeah. major. 
I mean, they went semifinals. That's pretty so, good, you know. Like, not to be I mean, we we would expect them yeah, to win. If you asked yeah, a lot of people, like this might have been Liquid OXG in the final. I mean, Liquid are the team that promises so much. I feel like, yeah, just lets you down at the very. They should be winning. I mean, yes, the I team. Agree. Even when you look at their performances after the fact, after the state, after the tournaments, after the stages, after the, the whatever, like you look at them and you're like, yeah, everybody's positive. Everybody's looking amazing. That's like individually, everybody's probably like the best. In- the region yeah. of the bloody world mm-hmm. how, how are you not winning tournaments if, well, you, if you look at their S tier tournaments apart from obviously the Pro League finals they won against you Fabian um, we had a side <laughs> don't forget <laughs> that's a common excuse um, third fourth place like, third fourth place at Charlotte ninth and then we'll go back to the invitationals of you know top 10 invitational 18 top 8 invitational 19 top 10 to invitational 20 second invitational 21 and then sixth invitational twenty twenty two. It's like they're always there. They're always dangerous, but they're just but no majors in between. No majors, and there's the, the big changes. So much more as well. Yep. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah. I mean, sometimes not even making it to the wedding itself if you're accounting for the majors. So big questions there. W seven M, you know, coming out of nowhere also. Um, still to look at. Obviously, you can't dig too deep into Brazil and Latam in general just because of. If we're looking yeah. back at the Charlotte Major because of how things went down, of course. Yeah. But given like the team, especially in this case, like Team One, yeah, with three players out of the five, even their coach couldn't get make it there. Uh, Liquid, the teams that were there, they played well and they made it deep. So not surprising. We're still going to have to review that come summertime uh, in the next Major and how things go. Because like I said, Stage 2 for BR6 will be played on land so that might be something of an advantage that could carry forward of course we'll have to examine it as the stage mm-hmm. goes forward but now just to, to wrap this part up top four out of brazil and latam in general just because of how massive a region i don't think we want to go that deep into it but if you have teams you see go ahead what do you think because Brazil is just the region in Latam, so no matter if we have the other ones, Brazilian teams are always just so dominant. I think the problem, just very quickly before Fabian goes in on the Argentinian and the Mexican teams, is they had a bit of a knee-jerk reaction on transfers um, after Stage 3 last year, and they were building to being very competitive with the Brazilian teams, and it feels like they've hit a bit of a reset button there where they're back at the point of not being too competitive against a very established region in Brazil. Because they were getting there, and then they've come backwards. So, yeah. I mean, I think by the end of the year they'll be tighter with some of the sort of <laughs> yeah. teams that are just scraping into the. Arsenal but yeah, it, it will be Brazilian teams, I think, at, at the major. Top four. I can start. I'll start. Liquid is number one. V seven M is number two. I think Team One is going to be staying on the number three, and then I think Face is going to take the jump and reconquer their the number four spot. Okay, not even Mibre in there. Nah. Okay. Fair. I'll, I'll go differently. Um, I think I think Liquid will be there or thereabouts once again. Um, so Liquid are in there. I would put MIBR in there. Um, I'm a big fan of MIBR. I, I don't make a secret about that. Um, I think one oh, of the yes. things that... Well, <laughs> I, I can go get my jersey if you want. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I like about MIBR is they do a lot of very default stuff. Or what we would consider very default, but they do it exceptionally well. Okay. Um, team 1, I really like this the fact that Lagonis is able to just project a team into majors again. Um, so, and then I want to see a reaction from Double O Nation, Zero Zero Nation, the old team yes. one. I think there's a reaction coming there because that is a good core of players. Uh, from my side, I think it would be Liquid 1, 
Faye's second, Team One third, and there might be our fourth, to be honest. You don't believe All in right. the V7M power? Mm-hmm. I want to, but I also... I'm yeah, I mean, they, they rely so heavily on those uh, two kids. To someone has to take people's phones yeah, away from them I'm when they're playing. Yeah. Uninstall Twitter. Was, uninstall yeah, Twitter. And then you'll play well. But honestly, it's it was so... It was childish. Yeah, it was, Genuinely. Right. And, and you know what? To some extent, you can say, I mean, at this point, we are all old enough. It, definitely a child. Uh, not just childish behavior, but the person themselves were, you know, in that in that age range. Anyways, but then you I mean, know, you can, you can still on those in charge of them to like hold yeah. them as well. A hundred percent, they failed terribly in terms of like either their management side of things or coaching side of things. Yeah. Awful display from them. Awful. Yeah. For next stage, I'm gonna take a spade of sand with me into the studio every day and then throw it <laughs> back whenever we disagree. <laughs> pocket sand. <laughs> I look forward to that. Of sand. <laughs> <laughs> What? You know what, <laughs> Fabian? If by the end of the stage, I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna have enough sand to like make a little beach at the studio in Paris. And frankly, who would not want to see Jack in a bikini? Do you I'm know just what? Throwing that out there. Oh I've seen him God. naked. That's much better. It's gonna be really hot in Paris in June and July as well. So I'm kind of oh. down for this. For... I, I will wear oh, a bikini. Okay. Okay. Oh, you can go show oh, oh, what the one Murta has? I think we need that on the yeah. broadcast. A bikini. Fresh oh, oh uh, I've literally just said this. This is going to be live. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, Victor, our, our team that runs this, <laughs> make sure that you were quoting all of this for socials because we need these sorts of things for it. This is what drives. Oh, no. I would say it's it's a viewer integration, <laughs> as the corpos like, like to call it. <laughs> It's it's not on Twitch, so it doesn't matter. Well, we can we can leak them uh, in. I say like uh, EU League OnlyFans that we're, right, we're starting okay. it from now. We oh. imagine imagine you know like a um, a summer calendar for EUL. Imagine what you could do with like hap. Uh, anyways, we're gonna go away from all of that yeah, and move on true. to our next topic before we we really get derailed. Uh, that I was esports. Sexy toes, just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Go quick! Next segment. Next, next segment. segment. That that was esports news. Thank you very much for watching it. Now we are on to what people have been posting on the subreddit, which is always a great thing for us to go through. It's Reddit yeah. droning. So, uh, first up, um, I don't know if we could show this directly to to Titan. I don't know if that's even. Uh, I can just link it to him if you want. Yes. Yeah, just so. Yeah. We're going to go through things uh, one by one. Um, a user x sessive underscore overlord, uh, Dark Zero Esports fan. So that, that tells you something. Uh, both ops being from CBRN Task Force is really ironic. Uh, Lion Finca starting shit tier god awful metas. Uh, agree, disagree. I mean, it's the only reason why Team Liquid's got a title. So yeah. I mean. Oh, there he is. Yeah, well, there is. I was waiting for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't come earlier, to be honest. Yeah, I was expecting that. We I, when I made the reference about Liquid and Fabian, I thought he would reference it. There. It's <laughs> like you guys are sitting here saying that, oh, G2 Invitational 2020 did so poorly. Yeah, we made it just as far as any other EU team this major with a sub <laughs> and two weeks of practice. Hey, that's because you had an amazing count analysis. Accountant analysis? I want to tell this story because um, oh, yeah, so go ahead. We, we played against BDS and they had us on map pool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Quite significant. Like you said, because we were operating with a sub with G2. Um, so we took them to, at the time, one of their best maps, which was Cafe. But BDS at the time, they didn't have the coach and the analyst that they've got now. They weren't as adaptable. They did the same shit every single time. 
Um, and we developed a, a strat with Glass and Monty and Fuse and all this other complete crap. The Shanka. And we were all in Chassis hotel room developing this live the night before. And Fabian is sat in the corner and he's like, I'm not fucking playing Glass. I'm just not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Two and a half hours later, he's like, we could give it a try. <laughs> and we did it the next day and we absolutely melted them with this kind of analysis strat. And I That's was so, proud. so bad. The highlight of my career. <laughs> Because we did well, a faction math band in those days, and they were just—they were so uncommon at that mm-hmm. point, and uh, it worked. The, the worst part is that I—I I would play so any operator. I would play any operator for the team. They could make any strat, put me on the shittiest operator, and I'll play. But when you come there and tell me play glass, just like, <laughs> no, hey, people have been saying glass is back into the meta. <laughs> we will talk about that later. But people have been saying glass meta for the past like year and a half, and I have not seen that. Maybe this patch coming come, up very soon. Oh, yeah. That'll now be the last bit of discussion yeah. for us today. So don't worry about it. Um, are up next bomb tacos, who's somebody that posts regularly on the subreddit. R6 Esports, Intero's new groove. Wow, Intero, you lost some weight. Looking good, buddy. We we don't usually, you know, promote Intero on here, but he looks good, doesn't he? I'm speechless. Wow. That picture is a better one than all the media ones he gets at events. Let's go to the next one. All right. Can I have a, can I have a controversial opinion? Go ahead. Cool. Pat rocks a better turtleneck than Intero does. Oh, wow. There it is. Well, okay. the, I agree. Honestly, I, I really agree with it. I think if Hap hit the gym like once, oh my god! <laughs> if Hap hit the gym once a week, imagine imagine what we would get at the end of it. Um, anyway, sweaty Hap out of your mind. Next up by user Pixant, uh, oh, Mir- Mirage Nightmare Nix returns to Mirage. We were talking, you know, about Nal a, a bit ago, but the King is back. What do you feel about that? Interesting pickup. If he's as, I mean, he won the major with DZ being the campus, and from everything I've heard, he's apparently like a very good IGL. So, I mean, if that's the case, then it's a good pickup for the team. It just depends whether then, I guess, the rest of the people can frag around him. So, that's what it's, and I guess if he does actually enable them as well with this new lineup. Okay. I mean, if you have five players that are all fragging, they will take space off each other. You need someone to enable those fraggers to give them the support that they need to make their job easier. But does he do that role? I don't think Nick's really does, does he necessarily? Uh, no, not not really. It would be more of an in-game leader part, but I guess that could also help them with it. Maybe move people around and shuffling them to different positions. Yeah, that's the same. I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like they looked when he was previously on this roster. They looked a lot more organized. Um, mm-hmm. And it, again, it's another one where we're gonna we have to caveat that we we don't know what's going on inside that team. Um, but there was clearly some issues during stage one. They needed to make a change. And I think, you know, you talk about a change that brings you some consistency. He probably does provide that, you know, familiar with the setup, familiar with the, the org, the staff, a lot of the team. Um, so I don't necessarily hate that change. So from one happy, I guess, news from Mirage to one that breaks my heart, uh, Flynn retires from esports. Um, Flynn, of course, that, you know, Worth management in Mirage over the past couple of years, known as at some point my duo and then Stokes's duo, and casted so many tournaments together. And uh, he's retired from esports. He's doing something uh, something else now. So I don't know. We how do you guys go up at some point? <laughs> we all That's retire, true. right? Some point we should. Yeah. He never quite hit the top, but he deserved to. He was one of the most underrated casters, in my opinion. Agreed. Really well. I enjoyed his yeah. casting. Yeah. He had a great voice for casting as well. That was the thing. He had a great voice for it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, can't wait to be in the same boat. Retirement is so nice. <laughs> you retired now. Yeah, but that's it. I do all the prep for the desk. Who wants another level? level? You just turn up and oh, chat yeah, shit. Whatever you, whatever, whatever you say. You're not completely wrong, but. <laughs> You're not completely... <laughs> oh, there it is. Don't no, worry. My contract's over soon. I'll retire. You'll have someone new to work. Oh, uh, come on. Look, Fabian, if you're going to retire, can you just take Jack with you? Like, you two no, go no, no. make a team. Jack, I know you would. If if Fabian were to turn around and say, "Hey, uh, Jack, we need an analyst for a new team that that we got, like top top tier. Hey, let's say it's a it's an org or whatever that's already in EUL. Fabian gets picked up and he wants an analyst and he so, hires you. Would you both just leave EUL and leave me alone um, on the desk? I'm not sure how much I can say about it, but that situation nearly did occur when I was retired. Um, where Fabian, I was actually mid toilet, and Fabian video what? called me and he's like. <laughs> Yeah, there's a potential work going back to Pro League, and uh, do you want to be the analyst? And I was like, Fabian, I'm retired. And he said, no, you're not. You're not allowed to. Um, so, yeah, I guess if Fabian was going into Pro League and needed an analyst, then he would just instruct me to go with him. Yeah, basically, he's my bitch. Fair. <laughs> and uh, I'd be left alone. So, Titan, I'm not going to officially poach you, but so I'm if, just putting yeah. it out there. I'm out of contract in September. Hey, I'm not going to be possible. <laughs> oh, good God. Well, <laughs> next up, of course, uh, we are going through Reddit now, droning through the subreddit. Uh, by the way, uh, we, we do this where I always look back at you know the last week of what happened post-wise. Just for those that are out there, we usually record you know a couple of episodes per month. So you can prepare yourself if you're posting things uh, just in case you want to be mentioned on here. User Paces, who would win? Uh, three muscly boys or... One pregnant aces, as he would put hey, it in hey, many hey, ways. Hey, don't do my ginger daddy like that. I mean, honestly, I I saw that reply on the on the on the timeline, and I'm like, dude, aces, it's just on another level. This man and a wild win at the end. Corey, a guy who's been sending half his time at university, and aces, and of course the rest of the squad. They're not alone. They 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 get the revenge. You got three hunks. Doesn't matter when you're in the server, baby. There's clearly some extra motivation in that game with Rogue and Wild. It, yep. Obviously, it was very clear. You know, Aces wasn't happy that he was dropped. When he was dropped, they were citing that it was attitude reasons and, and that type of stuff. Um, you know, it was discussions on Reddit, Twitter, etc. Not going to delve too deep into that drama, but he had a lot more kind of motivation to go and beat his old team and his old roster, which he obviously mm. did. Um, I think... I still worry. I'm not worried. I, 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 see, I say that I worry about teams a lot. I don't worry, but I think Ace's problem is he's very individual as a player. Mm -hmm. um, and it, sometimes he looks like the best player on F and other times he looks like a liability. Um, but I'm happy that he got revenge on his old team, I guess. I, it just goes back to my worries about that. And again, you say you worry. I worry. I worry <laughs> about Rogue. And that's not like... <laughs> The way that we worry about teams is not that we're like, oh no, what will happen? It's that we see an issue and it's an issue that could become bigger. That's mm -hmm. what I see when I say I don't worry about something. And my worry with Rogue is, again, come back to it. They have no structure player. They only have fraggers. They go up against players that have this experience. They should never lose to a tier 3 team. There's no excuses. They kick this player for a reason, and now he comes back with a new team and he beats them. I don't care if you have your dream roster of the five players you want. You should never lose to it. Rocky sensation spoilt now, of course, in in Rogue. Just in case there's people that did not know that that thing actually happened, we got to see him in EUL. I've already reserved the first interview win for Rogue, 
that'll be spoilt. Just letting it, you know, letting everybody know that's going to happen. If not, uh, I would like to officially request the entire admin team to, uh, I guess, uh, penalty points for Rogue. Just give him as many as you got. <laughs> so. Go, go that. <laughs> penalty points that's all i'm looking for uh next up and finally here in reddit droning um with user red warden underscore japan league playoffs online live audience and some photos close-ups of fans that were there and could show you the the trophy uh you know the stage itself the the fans all of that it looks good doesn't it huh yeah yeah i look very nice i like the trophy that's as we spoke about before, events in Japan are the absolute best events there is. Like, True. the crowd is, and the people in Japan are just so respectful, and they really care, and they show they show a different sort of fandom than what we're used to, and I think it's something every player should get to experience, because it's just a different world. Um, I wish every event could be in Japan, I'll be honest with you. I completely agree. <laughs> that, that would be the, the dream. Minus visas, but yes. Yeah, yeah, but that's a problem for Brazilians, not for us. For me. So, or for, uh, for you. We'll get rid of the two things that we oh, want to get rid of, you know? Oh, boy. Here we go. Fabian <laughs> hosting EUL confirmed. There we go. We're just uh, putting it out there. No, no, no. But, uh, I put my foot down. <laughs> I, I am the best at every single role. You have not done host. In game. Oh, mate. Hosting's hard. You've got to, like... Think of random shit. I, I told oh, I yeah, told Fabian it. you can try it, and he did not. I told you you could try uh, it, Jack. I did try it, and I was he's, terrible at it. I'm gonna have another go stage too. Then. So basically, all you have to do say is "Hello, friends. Welcome back to the EUL. Uh, that was a great game. Now we have an interview with some person that has no charisma. Let's uh, <laughs> talk to them for a minute, shall we?" <laughs> Do you have that's anything true. to say to the fans? <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I've done your job, Milos. Can I have double play now? <laughs> He's actually that, Milos. <laughs> he, he does, but you know what? Um, he also hasn't won anything in quite a bit, and he hasn't been picked up for any team over the past team. two years. Ooh, so he twice about it as well. It's a, it's a friend. Friend. Not just once. He, he went for a double down. It's a friend league, that's all I'm going to say. Even I got an offer, Fabian. Oh, dude, okay. Oh, no. All right. If If Fresh got an offer... If you had you with your friends, and they are the friends that are in the league, you'll get picked up eventually. That's just how it works. So are you saying that you don't have any friends? No, I I don't make friends. I was busy winning events, not playing ranked. And look at where you are today, working with us. How terrible of it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, oh, yeah, look at it. the three <laughs> enabling players of G2, all of them are out of competitive. Well, Goga's playing in tier three because he doesn't want to go for tier one anymore. Yeah. Is it be- that he doesn't want to or that he, he can't? He, he wanted to in the beginning, but mm-hmm. people weren't interested. Okay. Fair. And it has more to do with internal politics than it does to do with player ability. I'm not surprised. That's usually how it goes. That's usually how it goes. Uh, well, uh, since we're obviously like on the topic now, we've gone through Reddit droning. We've gone through some of the, the hypest posts that have been going on on the airwave over the past week. Uh, obviously, a bit of a drier week, but don't you worry about it. Once the stage kicks off, as we get closer and closer to the beginning, uh, don't worry. We're going to have some hot stuff maybe tonight.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.